Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben and this is the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Hey family, I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. This episode is part of my US road trip series where I travel through several states competing at the Houston World's Barbecue Championships and learning as much about barbecue as possible. The trip starts in Texas before going across to Louisiana and then up into Arkansas. It was a hell of a trip and I'm so excited to be able to share it with you. Before we get into it, I want to invite you to come join us at the Smoking Hot Confessions community on Facebook. It's a great place to continue the conversation. Also, make sure you get your free copy of my ebook, 27 Lessons Learned from Competition Barbecue. Jump on over to smokinghotconfessions.com slash ebooks to get your copy now. Finally, however you listen to this episode, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. This will really help me spread that barbecue love. Alrighty, let's get stuck into it. In this episode, I'm chatting with the owner and operator of Lockhart Smokehouse, Jill Burgess. If you've heard the name Lockhart before, that's because it's one of the most famous barbecue joints in Texas. Its overall history stretches back 100 years. It's been listed in the top 50 barbecue joints in Texas by Texas Monthly, and the Lockhart Smokehouse team competed in Season 4, Episode 1 of TV's Barbecue Pitmasters. So there's not many people out there who are in a better position to teach me all about Texas barbecue. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Make no mistake, beef is king. Ask any competitor on the circuit and the trophy they want most of all is the brisket. And you won't find better brisket than Black Angus Reserve. Black Angus Reserve is the leading brisket brand in Australia and it's easy to see why. It's verified Black Angus which has been grain fed for a minimum of 150 days with a deliciously high marbling content. These briskets are so good that Black Angus Reserve are willing to put their money where their mouth is. They sponsor multiple grand champion winning team, Manning Valley Natural Smokers, who've won many trophies using their briskets. Not just that, but Manning Valley took these briskets to the World's Barbecue Championships in Houston and took out second place in the world. To get yours, hit up their Black Angus Reserve page on Facebook now. Jill, thanks for your time and welcome to The Confessional. The, the first question I always ask my guests is, what was the last thing that you barbecued? But considering that you run a barbecue joint, I'm going to ask you, what was the last thing you barbecued for yourself? That I barbecued for myself. You know, funny thing, I don't really barbecue at home. If I want something good, I go to my restaurant or I go try one of my friend's restaurants. So I, I really, I'm a really good cook. I just, uh, we, we don't smoke or grill here. Is that sad? No, that actually makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so I know if I'm like, yeah, no, I can't do a brisket nearly as well as uh, the wonderful people um, that we, we have on staff. So <laughs> I'm like, great, I know where to get one. Yeah, fair enough. I, I totally understand that. So do you own a barbecue at home? Uh, a grill? Yeah. See, uh, see, because there's, yeah, there's all kinds of things. Um, we, uh, yeah, no, we had one, um, and uh, it was outside, and the rats got in it. I have a cool little indoor grill, and I have a grill pan, 
that I use when I really need to grill something. But in barbecue parlance, so we don't grill at the restaurant. We smoke everything. So it's a little bit different. Like the grill's more fun for kind of hamburgers and hot dogs. Uh, but the smoker is where the real action happens and the magic happens. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I guess that's a good point to clarify. Here in Australia, we just use the term barbecue to mean basically mean cooking outside regardless of what style it is. Um, so, yeah, so, so that's a good point of clarification. <laughs> that's what I'm here for. Yeah. So tell us a bit about your, your history. How did you get into barbecue? Um, so funny enough, um, uh, my family actually, uh, my grandfather ran world famous barbecue restaurant in Lockhart, Texas called Christ Market. Um, over 100 years old, um, my uncle ran it, now my cousin runs it, and he opened a location in, uh, Bryan, Texas. So now there's actually two fancy, uh, Christ Markets. Um, and Lockhart, Texas is known as the barbecue capital of Texas. There three world-famous barbecue places and one that doesn't get mentioned a lot. Um, so I grew up in that Central Texas barbecue tradition of um, kind of the big open pits, uh, meat market style where everything's on butcher paper and you kind of have this wonderful communal family experience. Um, so that was my background of it. Fast forward several years, uh, my husband and I, uh, kept saying, you know, there's really no great barbecue in Dallas like what I grew up on. I wonder how we can change that. Um, and we had actually lived in New York for several years, and there was a barbecue place in New York that had opened up called Hill Country. Um, and we went to, uh, to visit it, and I was like, holy cow, that's like all my family on the walls because um, the gentleman that owned it had family in Lockhart, Texas. And I looked up, and there's pictures everywhere. I'm like, okay, if this can work in New York City, why can it not work in Dallas, Texas? Uh, so I contacted my cousin and started talking to him, and the rest is history. Yeah, that's cool. So when you say that um, <laughs> that that Lockhart is the center of barbecue in Texas or the home of barbecue, do you mean a a region or a town called Lockhart, or do you mean your actual barbecue joint has been crowned that? There's an actual town out. Uh, it's about thirty miles outside of Austin uh, that has been designated by um, the Texas legislature as the state capital of barbecue. Uh, and, and so I am actually funny enough related to all three of the well-known places. My grandfather ran Christ market. Um, when my grandfather died, he had, uh, the boys had bought the business and he left the building to his daughter. His daughter raised the rent and the boys moved down the street. She thus, um, opened Smitty's barbecue in Lockhart, Texas. And then there's another place called Black's. Um, that I found out that I'm related to through my grandmother because it's Lockhart and everybody intermarries. There's only so many people to go around. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yes. Um, so that's probably, Lockhart is probably the capital of what is known as, as pretty much the old school type barbecue tradition. Um, I would say Lockhart is very emblematic of all that. Um, you know, since then with Franklin and, and, you know, us, and now there's, there's, there's several more big city barbecues. So, you know, you can make the argument that Lockhart may not necessarily be the barbecue capital anymore, but I, I think for most, for most people that have, uh, you know, made the pilgrimage to Texas, it's always a great memory and a very distinctive area of barbecue that stands out. Well, you just said that it's in legislature, which means it's law. So anyone that wants to disagree with that is breaking the law. Well, yeah, but it's it's Texas. We like to argue about things. So. <laughs> Funny enough, yes, I, 
It's the barbecue capital, but I do believe that the state dish of Texas may be chili, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, it's, we're all confused. Oh, wow. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. You, you briefly touched on the history of Lockhart Smokehouse earlier. Can you give us a bit more about that? Um, so, yeah. So, funny enough, um, I am a former television producer, uh, and my husband uh, was a fashion designer. So, we knew, we knew a little bit about branding and marketing and things like that. And we knew a name called Lockhart Smokehouse that tied into the traditions of Central Texas would be a lot more impactful and exciting to people than Jill and Jeff's barbecue. So we were lucky enough, my cousin um, who owns Kreitz is a consultant for us. So that's how we're the only place in Dallas that gets their sausage. Um, Cause it's usually rated as one of the best in wherever. Um, so yeah, so we started there and he came up and kind of told us, you know, who they used for pits because since we are a big city, we couldn't use the same open concept pits that they have because they go much hotter and faster. Mm-hmm. We have to go low and slow and we're in a city, so we need it more contained, more like a pizza oven. Um, so uh, Mr. Buley crafted uh, the pits for us and that's who, um, Kreitz actually has some of theirs as well. Uh, and that's what we learned to work on. And Keith came up and, you know, got us up to snuff. And it was a rocky road <laughs> the first little bit. <laughs> but, yeah, we've been – we've had the Dallas location now for seven years. And we've got one in old downtown Plano uh, that's been open for four. Wow. And so how long did it take from uh, from the time you opened until you felt like you really had it down pat? Oh, I still don't think we have it down pat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's part of the the part of the beauty of barbecue is that you're always learning, and there's always we are cooking with you know literally wood and fire. So there's always a variable. Your wood can change day to day. Your meat can change day to day. Um, you know your weather changes all the time. So there's always something. And you know just when you think you've got one thing down, then something else pops up, and you're like, ah, oh, crap, we got to figure that out. Um, but you know it is. I, I do think that that's part of the joy of it is that we're always figuring it out. And and the lucky thing is, too, it's barbecue, not brain surgery. So if we mess one brisket up, then we'll figure something out and move forward. Yeah, there's always more brisket where that came from in Texas. Yeah, thank, thank goodness for the cows. We're very appreciative of them. Yeah. Now, you mentioned that you were running... Did, uh, did you call them Buley pits before? Could you give us a bit of a rundown yeah. on, on what they look like, how they work, all that sort of stuff? Um, so uh, they're kind of, if you almost think of, uh, you know, an oven of sorts, they're not rotisserie. Um, they're racks, and we feed them wood. Um, but they do have an actuator that helps keep the temperature steady. Um, we still have to manage the wood in them, um, and we like to keep it at about between 250, 275. Um, but, and the actuator helps in that, you know, if it's, if it's getting a little low, it'll open up, uh, the air vents and get a little bit more oxygen. If it's burning a little fast, then it won't do that as, as frequently. Um, so, and you know, then you constantly have to know where your, where your hot spots are and where you're moving and jiggling, um, your meats around. Um, but yeah, it's basically like a big box with a fire pit on the side. It's not one of the cool ones that has like, you know, it's, it's not rounded, and with the offset, and you know, you have the, the beautiful Franklin custom-made ones where the smoke travels beautifully. This is really just a big box. <laughs> so it's almost like an offset cabinet. Um, yes, it's an offset cabinet, but but not so much 
I mean, it's the design of an offset, but it's not really offset. It's more it, the the firebox is contained within the unit. Gotcha. Like the offset, you don't see if that makes sense. Right. Okay. I, I, I got it. I understand. And I did get some, some nice video of it while I was there. So I've, uh, I've, I've got a good picture of it in my head. So, so uh, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> uh, now you've, you've written on, on your website that you only use post Oak. Why do you use post Oak exclusively at the, spe- uh, at the expense of including like some fruit woods, for example? Well, because, um, the history of barbecue in Texas is using what you have. Um, and post oak is very plentiful around the central Texas region. So we like to stick to the tradition of that. And also we find that the post oak um, gives it a kind of a lightly smoked flavor. Um, it's not too overpowering like some other woods can be. You know, if you think of your Chardonnay or something that's or whiskey, something that's oak aged, um, it's, it's in that same vein. Ah, right. I get it. Okay. So it's um it's that sort of that that deep rich sort of flavor that that uh, Texas is known for, like with, with all your whiskeys and all that sort of stuff. Exactly. It gives it the subtle flavor, not the not the hit you in the face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's why I'm not a huge fan of say uh, mesquite or hickory. Right, and uh, yeah, both of those, and and you know, mesquite easily. You're like whoa. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, you can always tell when someone's used mesquite. So is it the post oak that makes Lockhart's barbecue unique? What would you say makes makes Lockhart's unique? Um, I would say what makes us unique? Gosh, there's just so many things. I think um, the history of it, trying to um, replicate the meat market tradition where you come up and you order at the counter. Uh, so you kind of have that one-on-one interaction with the lovely person cutting your meat. And you say, hey, I want, you know, I want four slices of this. I only want two ribs. No, that one doesn't look good. Give me a fatter one. Um, you know, you have that interaction, which which you don't get in in more like traditional restaurant settings. Um, the post oak, definitely the fact that it's all fire, that it is, it's truly a handcrafted product. I mean, everything about this takes TLC from rubbing the briskets to moving them around, to slicing them how you want. Um, and... I, I love the butcher paper aspect to it, where you sit down and, and you kind of tap into your inner caveman, where you're just digging in um, and getting a little messy with it. I was going to ask about the butcher's paper. I saw that all your foods are served on that paper. Why, why is that? Well, it, it, once again, uh, it ties back to the meat market tradition, um, because at Christ's Market, they started out as a grocery store. Um, and when uh, they just kind of smoked whatever meat they had that didn't wasn't gonna you know wasn't gonna last a whole lot longer, so we'll smoke it and sell that. Um, and way back when they used to, so they served it all on butcher paper because it was just kind of a grab it and go type thing. And there were knives chained to the tables because they didn't really have any silverware. And if you wanted to cut something, you could just do that. The, the Department of Health made them take that out in the nineties. Um, <laughs> but it, it, you know, it gives it kind of that. It also it also makes you dial down your pretensions right away. Like, okay, if you're not going to have fun with butcher paper, then you know maybe we aren't the the spot for you. And, and bless you, there's plenty of other places to go. Um, but you know, it, it it gives you that nice down home feeling. So don't wear your fancy clothes. No, no, I, I think that's a good rule for <laughs> barbecue in general. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I always love to tell people when they come in wearing white. I'm like, you are an optimist today. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, and I always say something like, you are much braver than me. Yes, there you go. <laughs> so just uh, continuing with that uh, butcher's paper questions, um, do you wrap them in butcher's paper when you're cooking or do you wrap in foil? Uh, we don't wrap in foil. We will uh, wrap them in butcher paper, some to rest them when they get toward the end. But you don't want to do it too much because then it messes with the bark. It's kind of like a baby. You don't want to wrap them too tight. You know, you got to have some loose. You got to let them breathe. Yeah, exactly. So what what is the uh, the most popular dish on your menu there? Oh, brisket. Absolutely brisket. Um, people come to Texas and, and that's what they really want. Oh, yeah, definitely. Whenever I think of Texas, I think of brisket. So I, I can certainly see that uh, brisket would be the number one there. Uh, what tips would you have for people who want to cook brisket at home? Um, well, you want to absolutely bring it to room temp before you throw it on the smoker um, and to give it a nice, uh, nice coating in your rub. And, you know, you can find all kinds of recipes for rub. It's basically a variation on, you know, uh, what, like four parts salt, one part pepper, and then whatever spices you want to throw in. You know, you can do onion powder, you can do cumin, cayenne, whatever flavor profile you're going for. Um, so you want to rub that first, uh, let it rest. You can rest that in the fridge for, you know, you can rest it for an hour or two, you can rest it overnight. Um, but you do want to bring it to room temp um, before you pop it into your smoker. And then depending on weight, uh, you got to baby it a little, um, so it's got to go for a long time. Um, ours can go for 12 to 14 hours because we're going at like 250. So, and in that you kind of want to, you know, you don't want to cut into it. You kind of want to pat it, see how the jiggle is, see how the fact rendering. Um, and when you pop it in, you obviously want it or how we like it. This is a variation of different places. We like to put it in with the fat side up because you want that fat to render and, and kind of basically base to the rest of the brisket and get that nice juicy flavor in there. Uh, I'm happy to hear that because I usually cook them uh, fat side up as well. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that I'm on the right track there. Well, it depends on who you ask. But that's the joy of, of barbecue. If you ask enough questions, you'll come up with somebody you agree with. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like doctor shopping. Right. Yes, absolutely. So I, I take it then that you cook your briskets whole? You don't separate them into points and flats? No, um, we don't unless we are uh, doing burnt ends and then we will separate them. Speaking of burnt ends, I did uh, get to try some of the burnt ends on a Bloody Mary. That was sensational. How'd you come up with that I, <laughs> uh, with that concept? Um, you know, it was one of those that just seemed to be a happy marriage of we've got a lot of meat and what goes better with the, you know, perpetual hangover drink than, you know, copious amounts of more meat. Love it. Yeah, it was uh, it was delicious. It was so good. So tell me about the future for Lockout Smokehouse. What's coming up in the future? Um, well, we are actually uh, partnering with the Texas Rangers and uh, putting in a barbecue place out uh, in the new development there because, well, Australia probably has the same problem. Like you can't really play outdoor sports <laughs> for a good, what, five months out of the year. So they're building a new stadium with air conditioning um, because, yeah, we need that. And um, so, yeah, we're going to be right next door. Um, and that's pretty exciting. And we're working on that now, trying to get the pits built and uh, shopping for all the cool signs and everything like that. Um, so that's the big thing on our radar. And then also just trying to 
uh, maintain the quality that we're known for. That sounds awesome. If you're partnering with Texas Rangers, please tell me that Chuck Norris is going to come and cut the ribbon for you. Oh, I never even thought of that. Well, it's the Texas Rangers baseball team, not the Texas Rangers uh, law enforcement. But he's more than welcome to come, too. This is Andy Groneman, and you're listening to Smoking Hot Confessions. If you're looking to get behind an Australian company that gets behind Australians, you need to check out Pitt Brothers Barbecue. They are a Brisbane-based business that are known for supporting our return servicemen and women. They have three pre-blended rubs and 15 individual ingredients, making it easy for you to create your own unique taste sensation. My personal favorite is their peri-peri rub. It's unbeatable on chicken wings with a delicious buffalo sauce. Keep an eye out for their Porkapalooza rub made with competition barbecue team Smoke and Sappers. You can keep up with all the Pit Brothers news on Facebook and Instagram by following at PitBroBBQ and order your rubs and charcoal from pitbrothersbarbecue.com.au. That's P-I-T-B-R-O-T-H-E-R-S-B-B-Q.com.au. Alrighty, Jill, we're now in segment two. Thank you for sticking around. Uh, the podcast would have been a hell of a lot shorter if you hadn't. So uh, <laughs> we're going to be getting into Texas barbecue in this segment to give the Aussie listeners a uh, a bit more of a handle on on what is Texas barbecue and what does it mean from someone who has dedicated their career to Texas barbecue. So first question, if you could define Texas barbecue, what would that be? Define Texas barbecue. Ooh, I would say what tradition and family and fun. I don't know if that answers anything, um, but those are the big words that come to me. Um, yeah, no, I, I, you know, it's kind of, it's the experience. It's, it's the experience, yeah, of sitting down at a plate or a giant butcher paper full of uh, the wonderful smoked meats and diving in with your family. Definitely, yeah. I, I did notice that barbecue is very, very, very family-oriented over in uh, over in Texas. It seemed to me that a whole lot of people would go to church in the morning and then go hit a barbecue joint for lunch in the afternoon. Um, right. Which, which was quite fascinating because uh, church is kind of, uh, uh, I guess, on the decline here in Australia. Um so that was fascinating to see. And you, when you mentioned traditions about barbecue, what sort of traditions would they be? Um, you know, I think it's the fact that really for good barbecue, you're doing it like they've done it for, for honestly hundreds of years. You're, you're doing it in a pit of some sort with fire, um, with salt and pepper for the most part, and, and meat. And, and nothing about that has changed. You know, you're still working with the same basic building blocks that – you know, the, the, I don't know if it was the Mexicans or the Indians or the first people that came and dug the fire pits and buried their meat and cooked it over the coals. You know, you're still working with the basic components. So I think that's really the tradition of it. Yeah, I do love that it uh, ties back that far in our, in our history. It kind of taps into our DNA whenever someone lights up a fire and throws some meat on, everyone just starts gathering around. Right, exactly. It's very primal. So is there a particular protein or even a particular cut that represents Texan barbecue? Um, well, 
obviously the brisket, but I think as 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 we're evolving as a species, you know, barbecue is evolving as well. Um, so you know, there's there's a lot of cool, I guess, and and everything old is new again. You know, like uh, we're doing lamb chops and things like that, which which also have been around for years and years, but aren't necessarily traditions. Um, so yeah, I think the brisket, absolutely, when you're talking about Texas, is the tradition. Pretty much anything beef, because you have to think back to our our cattle grazing history and and running them up to uh, the cattle lines up to Chicago to get them on the trains. So you use what you've got there. So beef would be, really be the most traditional part of Texas barbecue. Yeah, those old cattle runs are fascinating. I was reading um, about them just the other day. So is there any right and. And they and, and Lockhart was on uh, the the cattle trail, as was Fort Worth. So you know, coming right through North Texas. Yeah, fascinating. Imagine those old days back out with the cowboys. That would have been awesome. <laughs> Although I, I am very grateful for running water and electricity. And and flushing toilets. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Yes. Oh golly, yes. <laughs> so is there is there any one thing that Texas barbecue must never have? Like any like might be a particular spice or um, a particular uh, overall flavor profile or a particular wood type. No, because it's 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 all you're working. You know, we our T-shirts have wood, fire, meat, and beer on the back of them, and I think you you can work with those components in basically any form or fashion you would like, and it's still going to come out to be Texas barbecue of some sorts. Um, you know, Texas is so huge and has such a rich history that that you can't exclude anything, and you'd be silly to because you never know what you might learn. Mm, definitely. Now, I just want to loop back to something that you said earlier. You mentioned that you're starting to do lamb. Lamb's really huge here in Australia, and it's it, it's actually one of our competition cuts. We um we have a particular category for it at the competitions here. How do you go about doing lamb? Do you really? Yeah, we do. Yeah. That's oh, that's fascinating. I so the funny thing is, I grew up and I never had lamb. It's one of those that it was a specialty. I think the first time I had it, I was actually on a like air France flight. And I was like, this is delicious. And you know, if airplane food is good, that that meat has to have something special to it. So lamb's actually one of my favorites, but as far as competition and everything, it's, and you know, in some places, I know they do mutton. I want to say like Kansas area or something a little further away. Um, But since Texas is so cattle heavy, it's one of those that really hasn't come about um, in much as popularity, but I think it is definitely growing here. Yeah, I think if they're serving up mutton, um, I'd be very interested to find out how they're cooking it because typically mutton is the older lamb, and it's uh, right. it, it tends to be a lot tougher. the The lamb flavour is a lot more; it's a lot stronger and a lot more distinct, and a lot of people don't necessarily like it. So, I'd be curious to know how they're actually going about serving up their mutton. Ah, that would be that would be a good Google search. Yeah, <laughs> guess what I'm going to be doing this afternoon. There you go. Happy mutton searching. Yeah. So now I've read that um, Texan barbecue can be roughly divided into four different styles, central, east, south, and west. Now, geographically, your restaurant is in the central region. So are you strictly central style or do you blend all the different styles together? You know, I think um, we hearken more to the central Texas style simply because that's what we're trying to emulate coming out of Lockhart. Um, Texas, which is which is pretty squarely central central Texas. Um, as far as uh, you know, some I, I think 
East is probably uh, variegated by a little bit more sauce and different wood choices. Um, and South, I would say, probably has more of um, probably the M- Mexican kind of, uh, I would say more, uh, I don't even know the word I'm looking for, but I'm thinking of like Valentina's Tex-Mex. And I know there's a great place down in Brownsville. Um, I haven't read, obviously I need to go back and read my Texas monthly top 50 again, so I can pop all these good places off. Um, but we do strictly try to stick to the central Texas style. Yeah, that, uh, that Texas top 50 is what I actually used to plan my trip around the States when I was there. So we hit, uh, yeah, we hit about six different places off that list. It was, it, it, it was great. And, uh, congrats on, on, on being in it. Oh, well, thank you. Yes. And, uh, we, it's the second time we made it. So. Um, there were only, I want to say, 13 places from the previous list in, what, 2013 that made it again. I could be wrong because that's coming off the top of my head and somebody told me that. I have not verified that independently. But where all did you go? Uh, so we started with uh, with Lockhart's. Lockhart's was first. And then we went okay. down to uh, Austin and we went to Valentina's, um, Franklin's and uh, Salt Lake. And oh, 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 what a great, okay, just as a microcosm of all the different kinds of barbecues that can be in one city. Yeah, yeah, we got to sort of try right. uh, all the different styles within like a 40-mile exactly. range. Yeah, yeah, Salt Lake's was, Salt Lake's was the other big one that I grew up on. Like, that was where, did you go to the original Driftwood location? We did, yeah. Yeah, no, that's where everybody, if you were really lucky, you got to have like your wedding party or rehearsal dinner there and bring your cooler of beer. Like that was the big experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we got taken up to the mansion and got shown around the mansion. That it was fascinating to see, to, just to be up the top of the hill there and look out over the whole property. Oh, okay. I've never done that. Obviously, I need your PR contact. We'll see who I can talk to. <laughs> we'll we'll talk offline and I'll, I'll hook you up. All right, good. <laughs> So now uh, you mentioned Christ Market before. I'm going to go out on a limb here and just looking at the spelling of that K R E U Z. I'm going to guess there's a bit of German background there, and I've I've read that um, that that part of the history of Texas barbecue was the influx of German immigrants about 100 150 years ago. So, what sort of influence has that German heritage had on on Texas barbecue? Oh, I'd say it's a huge heritage. Um, my uncle tells the story that, uh, you know, he didn't know, he doesn't know where the sausage recipe came from because it was developed by uh, the original Kreitz family. Um, and at some point in time, there were some German tourists that came through and said, oh my gosh, this tastes exactly like the sausage in our town because in Germany, each little area has their own definitive kind of sausage um, techniques and flavor profiles and things like that. And of course, he can't remember which area it was. Um, but no, my, uh, my grandmother grew up speaking German. Like she, I don't think she even learned English till she went to school. And she tells the story of, you know, way back when, um, she and her brother, uh, would take the horse drawn carriage and, uh, go 12 miles to school. And he was maybe 12 and she was like seven. Right. Wow. That's fascinating. Can you imagine? (laughs) Yeah. And was that uphill both ways in the snow? Uh, well, it was Texas, so not so much. And it was only till their dad was one of the first ones that got a Model T. So once he got the car, he could drive them. Oh, wow. Or he did sometimes. Right. So you're thinking 1920s here. So, I mean, the German history is really, really strong within um, all, all of Central Texas. And Czech, 
um, and uh, Polish and all, all sorts of other fabulous places. Well, that would certainly explain that beautiful array of uh, different pickled vegetables that you had on the, on the bench right behind the bar there. Oh, yes. Well, and it, and it also goes back to the, you know, early Texas, um, you know, you make the use of what you've got. So pickling vegetables was how you survived the winters. Good point. Good point. So speaking of those, of those pickles, what are some uniquely Texan side dishes then? Um, uh, well, ooh, uniquely Texan side dishes. Hmm. Um, you know, I think, I think potato salad is, uh, very uniquely Texan. Um, and we put a little bit of a spin on it, um, adding some kick and some spice. Um, you know, your potato salad, your coleslaw, uh, those and the, and the beans are all, and I don't know that they're uniquely because I feel like <laughs> every culture has a variation on them to some extent. Um, but those are the things that really, that, you think of when you think of a Texas barbecue. Yeah, sure. So how would you differentiate, say, a Texan coleslaw then? Oh, how would you differentiate? Um, definitely mayonnaise-based. Uh, you know, you might have – you got a little bit of vinegar in there just to give it uh, not so sweet um, to bring down the tanginess. Um, but definitely mayonnaise-based. Right, yeah. I I went to one place that had a uh, it, they called it uh, coleslaw, and it was um, vinegar based, and it had all kimchi spices in it. So what you're saying is that a Texan coleslaw would be heavier on the mayonnaise than it would be on the vinegar side. Um, yes, I think. Well, uh, a a very traditional one. You know, I in this in this brave new age of cooking, there's you know traditions are made to be broken. So it sounds delicious. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. One thing that I keep arguing with my wife about, though, is should coleslaw have tomato in it? What? That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. So are you a yes on that or a no on that? I'm, I, am a, I am a no until I try it and then I'll fall in love with it and be like, this sounds fabulous. <laughs> and then you'll be like, that's it. We're never having coleslaw with that tomato again. Right, exactly. <laughs> Beautiful. So what would be your top three Texas barbecue tips for the listeners? Top three Texas barbecue as far as eating <laughs> or cooking. Cooking, cooking. Cooking. Top three Texas barbecue tips. Well, definitely whatever you're doing, bring it to room temp first. Uh, if you're barbecuing, if you're grilling or whatever. Um, also, uh, starting with your, you know, how you want to um, have the salt come through, whether it's a soak or, um, you know, the rub, probably the dry rub. You want to get that flavor and let it sit and rest. Um, and uh, don't hurry it. Beautiful things take time. You're listening to the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. It's sacrilegious. Buying an outdoor cooker can be confusing. Something for low and slow, something for roasting, a pizza oven. What about baking? The jagged wood-fired smoker does all of these things. The question is, how? Firstly, the entire smoker is fully insulated. The firebox is insulated with kiln grade bricks and there are more on the cooking chamber floor, doubling as a pizza stone. The cooking chamber is then insulated with a six centimeter or two and a half inch insulation blanket and the whole thing is made from double walled six millimeter steel. 
This means that the Jagged can get up to 600 degrees Fahrenheit in under 30 minutes, sit at low and slow temperatures using very little fuel, and will even sit well under 200 degrees Fahrenheit for cold smoking. Founded in 2014, Jagged is proudly Australian owned and manufactured, based in Western Australia and ships all across the country. Head on over to jaggedwoodfired.com.au, spelled J-A-G-R-D, to learn more. Jill, we're back for segment three now, the lightning round. So I'm just going to throw out a quick question and you're going to throw back a real quick answer. How does that sound? Do we have theme music? Not now, but I can add it (laughs) post-production. Always a producer, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. All righty, ready to go? Yes, sounds great. All right. Yep. Brisket, fat side up or down? Oh, up. Chicken, breast, wings, or thighs? Thighs. Sauce, on the meat or on the side? Ooh, on the side always. Pork ribs, St. Louis, baby back, or spare? All of the above. <laughs> love it, love it. Temperatures, low and slow or hot and fast? Low and slow. What's your nemesis cut, the hardest thing for you personally to cook? Oh. <laughs> that would probably be all of the above for me personally <laughs> what's what's one tip or trick you wish you'd known sooner don't take it all so seriously what do you think is going to be the next trend in barbecue Ooh, vegan what stop the tape stop the tape <laughs> Is that like smoked tofu and stuff like that? Yeah. There's some places in Austin that are starting to do it. There's a Japanese place that's uh, experimenting with different things oh. in that nature. And and Franklin uh, Franklin's opening a place with, uh, and I don't know if it's strictly barbecue, but Aaron Franklin and Tyson Cole, the guy from Uchi, mm-hmm. are doing a place. So I think it's, it's going to get, you know, obviously we have to figure out uh, some sustainability type stuff. I was just reading that yesterday. So there's going to be a bit of uh, some interesting fusion happening in the near future. Right. Mm. All right. Two more questions before I get too sidetracked. What's one okay. thing you'd do to change the face of barbecue? More women. And if there were a fantasy barbecue league, who would you choose for your team? Oh, who would I choose for my team? How many people do I get? Uh, you plus three. <laughs> me plus three. Actually, uh, it would be um, my buddies here. It'd be me, Matt Dolman of 18th and Vine, uh, Todd David of Cadillac, and um, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, we'll go with those guys. Between the three of us, we could make magic. Excellent. Very cool. All right. Well, we're nearly done here, Jill. So the mics are now all yours. So please give some shout outs to whoever you'd like to and tell all the listeners how they can track you down. Oh, shout outs. Goodness. Um, I'd like to thank my lovely team. This is like the Emmys. I I need to thank my mother, right? And I'd like to thank my lovely team that makes me look good every day. Um, Yeah. And you can find us on the web at LockhartSmokehouse.com. Facebook, we are uh, Lockhart Smokehouse and Lockhart Smokehouse Plano. And Twitter at Dallas Lockhart and at Plano Lockhart. Oh, we've got Instagram in there too somewhere. So, yeah, find that one. 
Okay. <laughs> awesome. Well, look, thanks so much for sharing your time with me today, Jill. I've had a great time chatting with you and learning so much about Texas barbecue. I can see why Lockhart's really is called the home of Texas barbecue. Well, thank you. I've enjoyed it as well. Well, family, thanks for stopping by. I'm sure you learned as much here as I did. Make sure you subscribe, rate and review. And until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips and Ben's own confessions.